Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. So we're in this series called You Matter. And it's actually a series all about the Ten Commandments. Time out. Time out. Because what I want to tell you is that the reason I'm doing a series on the Ten Commandments is because of the thing that you thought when I told you we were doing a series on the Ten Commandments. Immediately you thought, this is going to be boring. Which actually isn't true. This series is going to be exciting. It's going to be inspiring, encouraging. It's going to change your perspective, which obviously has a chance to change your life. So what is it that makes us think the minute that we hear somebody say, hey, we're doing a series, we're going to talk about the Ten Commandments, that makes us think, that's lame. And the nearest that I can tell is in all my years in reading the Bible, studying the Bible, teaching the Bible, what I find is that there's a default setting amongst so many people, even those who have been in church for years and years and years, that we kind of look at God as a wrecker of fun. He wrecks our fun or a taker of joy. And I want you to think about that for a second, because if God is a wrecker of fun and a taker of joy, well, then his commandments are the means by which he wrecks our fun and he takes our joy. So why would anyone want to learn that? And when we teach that way, when we believe that way, when we kind of just accept that way of thinking that God is a wrecker of fun and a taker of joy, we make it seem like faith and fun become mutually exclusive. So you need to choose. And some people choose faith over fun. And these are the people that say, man, I, <laughs> whew, I, 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 I'm, uh, there's so many things that I want to do. There are so many fun things that I would love to do, so much joy that I would love to pursue, but I can't. I can't because I'm a Christian, you know, and I'm white knuckling my way through life because I'm really scared that if I do those things, God's going to be mad at me. And that's my life. Isn't that inspiring? And then you get other people who choose fun over faith. They say, look, I believe in God and everything, but I've kind of done a pros and cons list. And I figured out that really, I just don't want to miss out on all the awesome things that I want to do. So I'm just going to do what I want to do and let the chips fall where they may. And it's really such a false dichotomy. Like in all my life in teaching the Bible, in studying the Bible, in reading the Bible, in living for Jesus, I've never found that faith and fun are mutually exclusive. In fact, what I've found is that God is not a wrecker of fun. God is actually a bringer of blessing. That God isn't a taker of joy. He's a giver. He gives us purpose. He gives us strength. He gives us hope. God is a giver. And yet, when I say to you, man, we're going to do a series on the Ten Commandments. For so many of us, we look and we go, no. There's a perception out there that God is a wrecker of fun and a taker of joy. And I wonder why that is. See, I think part of it is that too many people have been in too close a proximity to legalistic Christians. And for a legalistic Christian, they really want to portray God as a wrecker of fun and a taker of joy. And for me to help you understand that, I need to use a water skiing analogy, of course, okay? So I want to tell you, I grew up water skiing, loved it. And back in my day when we water skied, uh, there was really only three different ways that we could water ski. We would water ski on two skis, We would water ski on one ski, which is called slalom water skiing, or we would water ski with no skis, which is called barefoot water skiing, okay? But just near the end, when I was kind of not water skiing as much anymore, I noticed that people started doing this thing called wakeboarding. And it looked 
amazing. Like super cool. I didn't have a wakeboard, so I didn't do it. And frankly, it looked a little bit scary to me anyways, but it looked so cool. And I saw people start wake skating, which looked even more difficult than wakeboarding, but still great. And then a few years ago, I noticed that people started doing this thing called wake surfing, wake surfing. Amazing. Like, it's the coolest thing I've ever seen. Like a couple years ago, I was standing on the beach and this boat came by going really slow, cranking music. And there was a 25 year old guy wake surfing behind the boat. And I saw him and he was just like carving up these waves on his, on his wake surf board. And then listen, this is what he did. He, he took the rope and he threw it into the boat. He threw it into the boat and, and, and he kept, kept, like he didn't need it. Do you understand? Like the momentum from the wake of the boat that he was surfing allowed him to keep, and I'm like, my mind was blown. I'm like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. So when the guy came in from his run, I walked over to him like, you are incredible. You're amazing. He's like, oh no, it's really no big deal. I was like, no man, like I saw you. You threw the rope back into the boat. Like I've never seen anything like that. And now he started to warm up. He's like, well, yeah, it, it is pretty difficult, actually. You gotta have like you gotta have a lot of core strength for sure. You gotta really be able to fire your quads, and you gotta have a, like a great sense of balance. Like I've done a lot of dry land training to get ready for this moment, and he's going on, and I'm like, wow, that's so cool, that's so amazing. Well, what neither of us realized was that while we were talking, his nine-year-old little sister, it was her turn, and we didn't notice it until we heard a noise and we looked up. And there's this nine-year-old little sister and she's wake surfing behind the boat. And just as we were both looking, she threw the rope back into the boat. And he looked at me and I looked at him and there was kind of like a moment of silence. And I was like, man, it was awesome to meet you. And I walked away and you're like, what, what does that have to do with legalistic Christians? Here's what. There's something inside of a legalistic Christian that wants to believe, hey, not anybody could do this. Like I'm white knuckling my way through life. Do you know that? Like God's a wrecker of fun and I'm not having any fun. God's a taker of joy and I've turned my back on all joy. Not too many people could do this. There's something just about me, the few, the proud, the legalistic. And the problem is, is for people like me, for people like you maybe who have lived our lives seeing God as a bringer of blessing and as a giver, we walk around and we tell people, hey, God loves you and he has an incredible plan for your life. God loves you and he has an incredible plan for your life. God loves you and he has an incredible plan for your life. And there's these people out there and they've been surrounded by legalistic Christians and they become convinced that God is a wrecker of fun. So you say that to him, you go, God loves you, has an incredible plan for your life. And they look at you kind of like you just sent them an email. You know, one of those emails, it's like, goes like this, um, Hey, here's the thing. I'm actually a prince from Nigeria, of all things, you know? And I got this one challenge in front of me that I need your help with. I have a thousand pounds of gold and I just really need to get it over to Canada and to store it somewhere. And I can't think of where I could store it except, well, maybe I could store it at your house. You seem like a great guy. So I know that would be a big pain. I know it's a lot to ask, but if I could store the thousand pounds of gold at your house, I'd love to say thank you by giving you half the gold. And if you could just send me your credit card number to cover the cost of the shipping the gold, I would love to get this party started. And what do you do with that email? You delete it. And here's the thing. 
So you've got this whole world of people that desperately need to know that God loves them and has a plan for their lives and he's a bringer of blessing, but they've been surrounded by people who have convinced them that he's a wrecker of fun and you go to them and you say, God loves you and has a plan for their, your life and they press delete. It's too good to be true. Like I remember the year that I started coaching basketball. I took over a program. I'm trying to think of a word to describe the program that I took over, bad. It was really, really bad. It was a bad program. And I took the program over in April, which is kind of an interesting choice because the high school basketball season runs from November until February. And so what I did is as I waited for this team to not make the playoffs yet again, and then in April, I called them all together and I said, look it, I wanna start working now for next November because I want us to turn the page. And so we started practicing five days a week in April. A bunch of them quit, but for the ones that didn't quit, they worked harder than they had ever worked in their lives. And you know what? They started to get better. I could see it. And when the summer came, we were in these team camps and these exhibition tournaments, and we weren't winning many games, but I could tell they were getting better. And I couldn't wait until November because I just wanted these guys to see kind of how their hard work had paid off, you know? So the first weekend of November, the opening weekend of basketball season, we got in a tournament in Langley. We went into our first game and we won. And you're like, that's not a big deal. It was for us. The older guys on that team, listen, they had never won a game in a tournament before. So we won our first game and then we won our second game. And in an eight team tournament, what that means is you are now in the tournament final. And I can tell you absolutely for sure that it was the first time that these old guys had ever been in a tournament final. So we go into the final game and everything fell apart. Like they reverted back to all the habits that had made them what they were before I took over. They started making all these unforced errors, arguing with each other. And listen, guys, in the second half, you know what they started doing? They started actually yelling at the refs, like yelling at the referees. It got so bad that midway through the fourth quarter, I only had four guys left to play. Everybody else was either fouled out or kicked out of the game. I had to put in my grade eight manager and he was wearing skate shoes and jeans. That's how bad I got in. And so the game ended and we lost by 40 points. It was so embarrassing. It wasn't embarrassing that we lost by 40 points. It was just embarrassing the way that we lost, you know? So I think they gave us a plaque for second place in the tournament and we went to the locker room and I kept saying to myself, I gotta be positive, I gotta stay positive. So the team all sat down and I think I said something like, man, we've come so far, so much to be proud of this weekend, you guys. I'm so happy. And next week, we're gonna start building on all those things that we started this weekend. But before we do anything else, I know one thing that we should do. Let's go and say sorry to those referees because that's not who we are. We need to go over and we need to apologize to them. And as, the, as I'm saying that, my great 12 captain stands up and he says, we don't want to hear it. I'm like, what? He's like, we don't want to hear it. I said, oh, you don't want to hear it. And as I said, you don't, like all the other old guys on the team are like, yeah, we, you know, we don't want to hear it. I'm like, okay. Okay, you don't want to hear it. This is what we'll do. We're gonna practice at six o'clock in the morning, Monday morning. And a few of them were looking at me like, 6 a.m., that's terrible. I'm like, no, 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 you don't have to be there. You only have to come if you wanna keep playing on this team, okay? I walked out of the locker room. 
I walked over to the referees and I said, guys, I want to tell you, I am so sorry for the attitude that we had. But if it's any consolation, I want you to know we will never, ever, ever do that again. So 6 a.m., Monday morning, the team arrives in the gym. I lined everybody up on the baseline. And I started asking my captain and a few of my older players a series of questions. And if they got the answer wrong, we ran. If they took too long to give me the right answer, we ran. If they gave me the right answer right away, but they kind of had the wrong inflection in the way that we said it, we ran. We ran and we ran and we ran and we ran and we ran. I put garbage cans on the court so that when guys threw up, they could throw up without leaving the gym and just continue in the practice. We ran. And you're looking at me right now and you're going, man, you are a mean coach. It's even worse than that. You understand? I wanted them to get the wrong answer. I wanted them to hesitate. And I think while they were running many times, I said this, do you want to hear it now? And here's the issue. For so many of us in this world, even though we've been into, ch into church for a long time, we see God like that. Like he's given us these laws and these commandments and these decrees and he wants us to get it wrong. He wants to make us run until we throw up. He wants to punish us. And while I am not arguing that God will allow us at times to face the consequences of our dumb decisions so that we grow, I maintain to you that in my life of studying the Bible, of living for Jesus, I have found that he is not a wrecker of fun. In fact, he is a bringer of blessing. You matter to God. I would take that a step further and I would say your freedom matters to God. He's not a record of fun. Listen to what Psalm 145 says. It says this, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. Who is he? He's gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. He's a bringer of blessing. And so when we look at the Ten Commandments, listen to me, we have a tendency, if we've been raised, if we've been around too many legalistic people, we have a tendency to look at the commandments and say, well, this is the means by which God takes my joy. This is the means by which God wrecks my fun. But I would suggest to you today that if you really study the Bible, if you live for Jesus, what you will find is that his commandments are not injunctions against fun. In fact, what they are is invitations to be blessed. So here's commandment number one, the first of the 10 commandments, Exodus 20. God spoke all these words. I am God, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of a life of slavery. No other gods, only me. No other gods, only me. So who said that? God. Gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. Who do you say it to? He said it to his people, who he loves. He had brought them out of bondage and slavery in Egypt, but it wasn't enough for God just to bring them out of bondage. He wanted to bring them into blessing. He didn't just want to bring them out of slavery, but he wanted to bring them into promise. And his first invitation to be blessed was this. No other gods, only me. Because your freedom matters. Your freedom matters. Henry Nouwen said it this way. He said, 
for every one of us, there's a throne in our lives. And God is meant to be seated in the throne of your life. First place, driving force, the why behind your what's. That throne of your life is meant to be God's seat. But if God's not first place, Henry Nouwen says, that eventually you will fill that throne with one of three things. What you have, what you do, or what people think about you. What you have, what you do, or what people think about you, that will become your driving force. That will become first place in your life. That'll become the why behind your what's. And what the problem with that is, is that it will lead you into a place of bondage, a place where you're wanting and wanting and wanting and wanting and never getting enough. Longing and longing and longing and never being fulfilled. Isn't that the definition of bondage? That the thing that you want the most is outside of your grasp. Jesus said it this way. Seek God's kingdom first and everything else will fall into line. Your freedom matters. God's not a wrecker of fun. He's a bringer of blessing. And he says this, no other gods, only me. Why? Because your freedom matters. At the end of grade nine, my buddy Rich Stewart and me went to a summer camp called Camp Silversides. And the tradition of this camp was that at the end of the week, there was a banquet. And every guy at the camp was supposed to invite a girl to go to the banquet with him. Okay, so Wednesday rolls around and we still haven't asked anybody, but it's water slide Wednesday. So it seems like a good day, okay, to ask somebody. So Rich and I never talked to each other about who we were asking, but out of the 100 girls at the camp, guess what? We both asked the same girl. So I'm standing in line for the drop of doom and I asked her and she says to me, maybe. I'm like, maybe. That's okay. That's weird, you know? And so kept water sliding, got back that night. He said to Rich, hey, did you ask anybody to the banquet? He's like, yeah. I'm like, who did you ask? And he says, the same girl I asked. I was like, that's amazing. What did she say to you? He said, she said, maybe. I'm like, she said maybe to me too. That's so weird and kind of uninspiring. So I remember the next morning at breakfast, I came up to Rich. I said, you know what? You can go with her. I know, look, I know it's only a summer camp banquet, but I guess I was kind of hoping that whatever girl I went to would kind of like be stoked to go with me. You know, not, not flipping a coin or drawing a straw, but like wanting to go with me. And then Rich says, well, now that you put it that way, I don't want to go with her either. And what I'm not looking for is counseling for my, you know, failed grade nine love life. I'll bring that up because God says, no other gods, only me. No maybe, no flip a coin. God is meant to sit in the throne of your life. Because if he doesn't, what's going to end up being there is what you have, what you do, or what people say about you, or some version of that. There's so many good things in this world. There's sex and money and houses and wakeboarding boats and cars and prosperity and position and popularity and trophies and awards, and they're all good things. The problem, God says, is when you try to make a good thing into a God thing, you end up in, in a place of bondage because you're going to be wanting and wanting and wanting and wanting, and it's never going to be enough. 
Longing and longing without fulfillment, that's bondage and your freedom matters. So God says, no other gods, only me. Put me first and everything else will fall into line. I have a buddy who was spending some time with God a couple months ago and he says, I feel like God gave me the three steps to freedom. Three steps to freedom. I said, what are they? He said, step one, the God who spoke the universe into existence loves me fully, completely, and unconditionally. Okay, step one, the God who spoke the universe into existence, the Lord, gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, and rich in love. That God loves me fully, completely, and unconditionally. That's step one. Step two, he is for me. He's on my side. He wants good for me. My freedom matters to him. Step one, God loves me fully, completely. Not not an arbitrary version of me, but he personally loves me fully, completely, and unconditionally. Step two, he's for me. He's with me. My life matters to him. My freedom matters to him. So step three, whatever. Don't you love that? Step one, God loves me. Step two, God's for me. Step three, whatever. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says it this way. If you trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him, heal, direct your path, whatever. It's all good. There'll be ups and downs. There'll be twists and turns, but he's good and he's for you. Your freedom matters. He's a bringer of blessing and he cares. The 10th commandments are not injunction against fun. They're an invitation to be blessed. And the first invitation of the 10 invitations is be free. Freedom. It's an invitation to freedom. And what you'll see when we go through the rest of the Ten Commandments is God brings freedom into every area. Freedom in your finances. Freedom, Freedom in your relationships. Freedom in your past. Freedom in your present, your future, and your eternity. Freedom. That's God's plan. You know why? Because you matter to him and your freedom matters to him. And so what do we do? Man, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I think it comes down to those three steps, you guys. I think it comes down to that moment that we come to when we say, God, you really do love me fully, completely, and unconditionally. You love me and you are for me. So the third step is whatever. You you understand what I mean when I say whatever? It's this, I open my hands, I trust you. And I guess for me, as I close today, I wanna invite you to make every week of this series a priority. It's gonna be exciting, it's gonna be encouraging. It has the potential to change your perspective, which will change your life. But what does it mean to trust him? Well, I think it's gotta start somewhere, doesn't it? And so I ask you, where, where are you at with God? What have you been told about God? What have you heard about God? See, because I think for some of you who are listening or watching, wherever you're listening, wherever you're watching, as I've been speaking, something's been stirring up inside of you because you realize, man, this isn't the God that, 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 that I've been taught. God's a bringer of blessing and that excites you. He's a giver that you matter to him and your freedom matters to him. And, and I think trusting him starts with one next step. 
See, God sent his son Jesus into human history. And Jesus lived and died and rose again. And he did it all for freedom. That you could be free from the sins of your past. That you could be free to live today with strength. And you could be free from the worries of tomorrow knowing that he's got you. He's got you today, tomorrow, and forever. So men, maybe today is your day to take that first step, that first step of faith, that first step of trusting. For some of us, it's, it, today is the day that we take our 20th step and we still got to open our hands, but maybe today is your first day. So if that's you, I just want to invite you to join me as I pray right now. So dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you that I matter to you, that my freedom matters to you. And so today I entrust my freedom to you. Jesus, I pray that you would set me free from the sins of my past. I ask you to be my savior, to forgive me. And I pray that you would set me free from my struggles of today. That you would give me the strength to, to walk through them one next step at a time. And that you would set me free from my worries of tomorrow. That I would remember that you got me. That you're for me today, tomorrow, and forever. I love you and I thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you died and rose again for me in your name. Amen. Amen. Man, if, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time and you took that first step towards trusting him, I want to say congratulations. You're on the road to freedom. And we would love to help you. So if you just prayed that prayer, do you want to just do me a favor and text the keyword LIFE, L-I-F-E, to 604-670-3040. We don't want to stalk you, but we do really want to support you on this journey. Other than that, I want to tell you wherever you're at, let's have an open-handed posture. Let's remember God loves you. You matter. Your freedom matters. And you're walking into it as you trust him day by day. I love you and we'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.